0: Hi, I'm Elaine Boddy.
1: And I'm David Treadway.
0: And welcome to the Food God Pod
1: with Matthew's Cotswold Flower.
0: So here we are again david
1: yes indeed elaine and what fantastic reaction to our last episode we had so many downloads in the first week i think it's the most downloads in a single week we've ever had so thanks to everyone we're very pleased you enjoyed it
0: oh thank you for everybody for their feedback and anybody that listened to it uh, we just hope you enjoyed it
1: why don't we talk about what's coming up in this episode elaine
0: well today we're back in the matthews cotswold flower kitchen with Bakery Development Manager Sophie Carey, who's going to show us how to make ramen noodles.
1: And Sophie told us that once you've tried this recipe, you'll never buy noodles again. And <laughs> I must admit, they did look terrific.
0: Absolutely. And she made them so quickly and simply. And they would be the perfect compliments to many a main course, including the one that's coming up in this episode. So... We have a couple of different recipes using insects as the main ingredient instead of meat or meat substitutes. So David and I met with Aaron Thomas and Leo Taylor, the founders of Yumbug, which is a startup company that is currently receiving a lot of attention as it develops products that offer an alternative to animal protein. We met them in their small kitchen, a product development kitchen in North London. And Leo started by telling me about the company.
2: So we are an edible insect startup called Yumbug, and we do what it says on the tin. We make bugs yummy. So we turn crickets that are locally sourced, Cambridge Farmed, into delicious ingredients like mints, strips, burgers, uh, that sort of thing.
0: Okay, so this is all about crickets?
2: At the moment, yes.
0: All right, so let's just backtrack here a bit. Why? Where did you come up with this idea from? Why are you doing this?
3: We came at this through different means. I had a background in insect science and learned about edible insects through research. So, um, what I found when looking at the research was actually they're really good for the planet. So. Uh, crickets are around 1,800 times less greenhouse gas than beef to produce. Um, they're also up to 70% protein, that's like three times the amount in a steak. So really, really high in protein and also uh, loads of other micronutrients. They're also eaten by around 80% of the world's countries. So a lot of the world is actually already doing this, in many ways it's us in the West that are, the, that are kind of like the weirdos in many many respects for not doing it. So. When I learned about some of those benefits, I basically just started ordering stuff online. So um, back in the day, about eight years ago, um, you could order whatever you wanted to online. Um, Regulations were a little bit different at that time. I basically, around got, insects. I around say. insects yeah, yeah, yeah. I was able to order things like centipedes, June beetles, water bugs, anything that you could find, basically from Southeast Asia. What, ready to um, eat? Ready to eat. Yeah, dried. Okay. Generally, um, they weren't that tasty. <laughs> yeah, it really depends <laughs> what you try, but like a lot of them aren't the most appetizing insects. Did I would you have say. to
0: take a bit of a deep breath before you tried them?
3: Well, I had a background in insect science, so actually I was used to seeing insects, so it wasn't as scary as you might. Anticipate. And seeing
0: them and eating them is two different things. It, that's true. You know, we've all seen, you know, I'm a celebrity <laughs> and all that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, very, very uh, of course Aaron true. That's really yeah.
2: relevant. I don't eat anything under the sun. Yeah, yeah, I'm
3: quite an adventurous foodie anyway. When you get a, a whole dried cricket, actually, it looks quite a lot like a seed, like a small almond or a, a sunflower seed. So well, I'm no looking like at a seed. jar
0: full of dried crickets here. They don't seem to have any legs sticking out.
3: No, no, they don't. So in the processing... Do they kind
0: of curl up or something?
3: No, no, no. Actually, um, when they're dried, they're often shaken over a sieve and lots of the legs fall down. That's milled down into a powder. So you're using all of the cricket. But actually what you're left with is this ni- nice like, cricket-based kernel. Um, that's, as I was saying, about 70% protein. It's got more calcium than milk, more potassium than bananas, more iron than spinach, um, more fibre than brown rice. It's literally a superfood that we can feed off um, fruit and vegetable waste.
0: Um, okay.
3: So super, super sustainable
0: what takes you from that to thinking that this is something you then want to bring massively into the market and you want to educate the british people about because that's a big leap
3: it is a big leap i think um obviously you're probably aware there's a huge climate crisis and Mm -hmm. i think for us insects provide a really really good solution for both making a a more sustainable food system so feeding all of that waste that we produce from plant agriculture to insects to create more food Per acre of land, Um, but in addition also is adding a heck ton of nutrition to people's diets. It's moving, allowing people to move away from things like ultra processed meats or or just bad meats. So like things like uh, uh, beef, etc., which have been shown to have certain negative effects on um, human health, um, alongside high fatty foods, etc. So you can still create a really nice, delicious burger, but actually it's just way better for you. So we're helping consumers to make more um, sustainable and healthy choices.
0: Therefore, in the countries that already eat more insects, yeah. have you ever looked at what the comparison is between their levels of health and mm. their longevity of life compared to other countries? Does it really make a huge amount of difference?
2: At a high level, yes. I mean, a lot of countries in the developing world have much fewer cases of cancer, of cardiovascular diseases, inflammation is, is lower. And, and it's very difficult to pick out one variable I and mean, there's probably a whole host of variables, how people are living their lives, mm-hmm. the number of sort of personal connections they have, the amount of stress they have in their life. So all of these sort of feed into yeah. these diseases, but absolutely food makes a difference. Um, you know, they're eating natural high quality food, whole grain food, right? Yeah. Um, rather than processed, ultra processed food, uh, which is what you're seeing a lot, particularly in the meat alternative side of, uh, side of things. So plant, based foods, a lot of that sort of supplemented with, with ultra-processed ingredients. And I think that's part of the opportunity that we see is bringing people back to this natural high-quality protein.
0: I'm vegetarian, as many listeners already know, and I'm vegetarian because I like vegetables. I mm. like well-curated, cooked vegetables. I have very little interest in meat replacements. I don't understand people that want to eat something that isn't meat but looks like meat. It doesn't work for me. It's just my personal choice, it doesn't yep. work for me. But like you say, there's also a lot of processed elements to it. Tell me then, if you are processing this so, so you are then turning them into a form of something that can be cooked. So we've got mints and strips in front of us. So what goes, into, what goes with them for you to make them, though, if you're saying they're less processed?
2: So there's uh, two ingredients, maximum three. Um, so there's crickets, wheat, and optional salt. So it's almost like sourdough. You're just swapping the water out for the crickets.
0: Oh, it's true. It's not a <laughs> comparison I was going to say. But, yeah, this is true. Okay, so I take it you've done lots of experimenting with this to find what your ideal kind of solution is and how you put this together. And, yeah. Yeah, What's lots of and
3: taste. A, Herence, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've done a lot of work trying to work out because obviously, we actually started with the whole insects trying to, well, that's how Leo and I initially started trying these the, this type of food. Um, but what we found was that UK consumers just aren't ready to see whole insects in their food just yet. No, I, think. I
0: know you said, you know, they look a little bit like almonds, but they're yeah. almonds with a skeleton, yes. you know, an exoskeleton.
3: Most people are still a little bit squeamish about this. Um, I think in the, in the distant future, people will be more open to this if we can introduce it in ways that they can understand. So if we reformat it into stuff that people can uh, un- understand like a burger or a strip or a mint, something they're used to cooking with uh, not only allows them to uh, it reduces that squeamishness barrier but it also allows them to know how to cook with it which also opens a few other doors of people cooking at home for example um, and once they've got used to the idea of, cook- of actually eating insects in these forms I think eventually people will probably start eating whole insects because as you're saying this is like the raw unprocessed yeah. version which is probably the healthiest option you could possibly have um, it's just for a lot of people this isn't acceptable to them mm. um just that
2: we, we started on a market stall in brick lane uh so so we're in london so, yeah. so not far from where we are now and and really we just looked around the market stall and thought actually who's doing really well and the nugget stall um so, so i'm telling you the story now of how yes. we got to these yes. products uh, the nugget <coughs> stall had a queue you know consistently yeah. every weekend so we thought why don't we just turn crickets into nuggets um and that was the first step to going down the route of hiding Hiding insects in... Because
0: yeah. in, people can convince well, no. themselves of <laughs> yeah. anything. Yeah.
2: Yeah. If, it, if it's deep fried and panko yeah. then people are going to put it if in If you want to sell it, bread it, apparently.
3: No. <laughs> well, yeah, there is... Yeah, yeah, um, this is
0: true. Uh, you know, for me, I would throw it all in sourdough and see what it does. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, well, yeah, then, then that makes sense. So there are some questions I want to ask you, things that we ask everybody. Before we get onto that, you guys seem to be very entrepreneurial. You've been yeah. very brave to do this, I would say.
3: Reckless yeah i mean have you
0: left jobs to do this and give this a go
3: 100 percent. so um i we both uh, worked on this full-time since april 2021 we started testing out some of our recipe kits with the whole insects as i mentioned earlier and with some initial um, customers just to get their feedback etc then found that actually there was a bit of an appetite for this kind of thing. Using that data and what we generated, we basically were able to raise some funding. And then in 2021, we're actually able to pay our own salaries and move into this space here, which is absolutely fantastic. So for the last two years or so, we've been iterating on the product and really trying to understand what it will take to take insects mainstream in the UK, really understand what people need to see and hear to be able to adopt insects into their diet. We can see someone that comes up to our market still, for example, and they might have no existing knowledge that you can even eat insects, or they've never seen it before. And within about five minutes, you can walk them through the story of like, this is the reasons why we're doing it. This is what the food looks like. It looks fantastic. And then you can actually get people to try the food and walk away from the store thinking, wow, that was actually amazing. I would eat insects again. So even though a lot of the UK is at the, uh, might currently be at the stage of I'm, I'm screwed about insects, or I don't even know anything about it. Actually, it's very quick. The change from, oh, I wouldn't eat insects to so I would eat insects and I think that's really awesome for us because actually all we need to do is just scale that up and get just get more people trying the food and more people hearing about it. Um, so that's kind of our whole mission right now is to try and scale that that experience for people.
0: But uh, what I like as well from what I've seen, this is not you trying to lecture people. If no. they want to have a bigger deeper conversation about yeah. sustainability and you know everything else you can watch these guys on youtube and you can really listen to a big <laughs> deep conversation about it or you can look at the website and mm. see the truth you know that yeah. you know bugs fart less than cows yeah you know which right. you know yeah. it, and that's the thing that people stays in people's minds when they when the things that they've read and they've heard about is about how much wind cows have mm. is is a, you know is one of the things that people actually take on board and listen yeah. and remember because it's something that's yeah it's funny but actually yeah you know that is true i can't imagine a cricket produces that much <laughs> 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 yeah. um so uh there are some questions that we always ask people which i'm i will pose to you so i take it you are cooks you like to cook
2: uh absolutely i think even more so being in this job. Yeah. Okay. I would say I was a bang on average cook. Yeah. Now I'm or slightly, slightly better than bang
0: on
3: average. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. so we, you know,
0: one of the, the key things that we want to elevate and talk about on this podcast is home cooks. But for me, it's always about the tips. So what are your three top tips in the kitchen? Oh
2: wow! The thing that, I, that has changed my cooking game, mm-hmm. and, and there's, there's a few, is just the taste of food. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's incredible how many people just cook a meal, and this was me, you know without trying it. I've learned a lot of this through Instagram and just watching people cook, people like Thomas Straker or Mob Kitchen. But tasting the food at the start, knowing what your baseline is and where you want to take it, um, has sort of changed my cooking game. The other two would be uh, oil and salt, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm pro- properly sort of seasoning it, seasoning it throughout throughout sort of the, pr- the cooking process. Food just tastes so bland otherwise. So. so
0: for me, that, why is this? Why it. is this something you're laughing about? Is this something that?
3: Mm-hmm. You, no, you it's pass just into like it, no, no, no. We just big keen on salt and oil. It just makes <laughs> everything <laughs> taste great. Yeah, yeah. But it's a hack. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh, people. Oh, antis- well, think. When you go to a restaurant like a lot of it is in specific ways of cooking it but actually a lot of it is also leveraged by extra amounts of salt or oil, butter yeah. the butter. block of
2: butter that goes in yeah you don't see it, that in the kitchen it, but yeah. it, it does make it taste good yeah. oh yeah no
0: this is true and you know oil does make a difference and yeah. you know people are scared of oil and yeah. you know but actually you do need it in your system you do need it in your yeah. body yeah
3: and
2: it depends what okay. you're optimizing for i mean if you are trying to have you know a low calorific meal i mean there's, there's tons of calories in, in something like olive oil. There are other benefits to it. You know, it's great for your gut health. Um, so it's not all about calories, but, uh, depends what you're trying to go for in the meal. Um, if yeah. you're optimizing for flavor, whack yeah. the oil in, add the salt in and I do that, do that it. piecemeal. Cause I have got to a point where I'm adding too much salt and you can't go
0: back. <laughs> yeah, no. that's true. Oh, you're yeah, Googling. So you have to put potatoes in and have yeah. potatoes <laughs> and soak it up been yep, there. Yeah. A, a yeah. two
2: portion, so the pasta ends up being ten portions
3: because
0: you're trying to dilute the salt yeah. out between yeah, that all the makes
3: portions. Sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Been there. Yeah. Okay, so do we have another tip? Yeah, uh, the other one that I've started recently. There's two different practices that I do at the moment, and one is actually moving away. A lot of people generally look for recipes online at the moment, but that's what I used to do. And actually, I found that the quality of recipes actually often better in books. So I've been buying <laughs> way boy. more recipe books, mm. um, which has been uh, made a bit big difference to my cooking. Mm. As well, if I have some free time, what I've been trying to do to kind of like explore different types of cuisine is actually just choose a country on the map and say, okay, I'm going to cook a meal with like four dishes from this one country. So I did uh, Iran uh, a couple of weeks ago and that was really interesting. It was some of the dishes I'd already kind of cooked before, but they were slightly done in different ways or one of them was using yogurt and cashews in a way that I hadn't used it before. So looking for different cuisines, I think can broaden your understanding of how to cook and what, how ingre- ingredients can be used. Recipe books over online recipes generally, I think are better. I don't know if this isn't a tip but leo and i are huge fans of chili so you can work spicy food spice into anything like 100 we would recommend it um, if you have a spice tolerance obviously but it's not really a tip it's just something that we prefer but i think it
0: does make a huge difference i'm a big fan of aleppo chili flakes Mm, because they're not too strong and you can determine how much you want to put in something Mm. so i know i've had a lot of people buying them um, because I throw them in bread and on all sorts, mm-hmm. but I think it's just that that slight little extra. Yeah. Is it another dimension? Yeah. 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 And you know, if you're starting to look at those kind of foods, like especially with Iran, it's just yeah. the spices. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. the the difference that spices make, herbs make, and I would imagine with you know your your mince, your strips and stuff, that makes a massive difference because mm. you're adding in that flavour.
2: Yeah. yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah, totally.
0: As a vegetarian, then, what would you cook for me if I was coming for dinner?
2: On the weekend I did a Harissa, and this was just sort of off the cuff because it's mm-hmm. all we had left in the, in the cupboard, but I did a uh, onion and harissa linguine, um, which, which I thought was quite interesting because you don't typically get sort of yeah. Middle Eastern sort of um, flavours with, uh, with pasta, but it worked really well. Bit of sort of um, creme fraiche on the top, mint. Um, I threw in some, some chilli flakes as well just to up the heat, but that was, that was really delicious. You're actually.
0: getting really adventurous then. <laughs> Yes, I yeah. guess so, I guess so. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, but that's out of, the confidence you've gained then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is great. Hmm. I think that the, if you can open a cupboard and just chuck stuff in, mm-hmm. Come on yeah. then, you're vegetarian. What's Ooh. your favourite thing then? Well, I might
3: one? cook that Iranian meal for you, to be honest, because that was really <laughs> good. Um, so it was kind of a bake, like a classic um, baked rice or a pan yeah. with crispy rice. Um, oh, a with yeah, this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, was good. Nice. it was Yeah, it was good. It was actually my first time trying it. It worked out pretty good. I was pretty yeah. happy with it. I um, also had, so the, the dish I had was using meat alternatives, so I'd admit that. Do you eat tofu or tempeh?
0: I haven't really got into them but okay. anyway that's yeah. right
3: i <laughs> used use some kind of bean instead maybe um cashews um cucumber salad with it was with it traditionally would have had chicken in it but I used a meat alternative version of chicken um mixed with a yogurt and cucumber uh, cumin coriander ground coriander um can't remember exactly what else I had in it basically a spiced version of meat along with a salad well, I had a shirazi salad and then also a cucumber Ooh. yogurt um right, top with um I think it was candied walnut and pomegranate seeds. Sorry, I think I'm going to his house. I'll I'll join you, to be honest.
0: But this is great. I mean, you know, let's be honest, you two are young guys. So I think it's lovely to see that you're cooking and doing. You need to show us what to do Mm. with this stuff. And what we're going to do is I think you've got some recipes that you're going to make for us. You can see all of this on YouTube. I'm going to keep saying this as we do it. We will describe what we're doing but the guys are gonna make us some dishes. So what we've got in front of us is a mince and then the strips. And I would say for anybody that's wondering, they look a bit corn-like. Yeah, so if you've ever tried corn mince, which is mushroom-based, they would look like a similar thing.
3: Yeah, very similar, yeah.
0: But maybe just a slightly darker color. Yeah. But are they gonna then be similar in texture?
2: Well, it depends how you cook them and it's actually all in the cooking. Yeah. Um, we're, today, we're going to go for something with a mince, get, them crisp, get it crispy. Mm-hmm. So because this is meat, you've got sort of a good Maillard reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, so get that crispiness.
0: Oh, but they caramelise a bit?
2: They do, yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Yes. Oh, Cause, okay. Cause, yeah, because we are working with animal protein. Yeah. And, and that really helps with that sort of crisping up and, and searing. Uh, everyone's gonna work on the strips.
3: Yep, I'll be cooking up basically a tamarind version of, uh, actually this is a taken from Sambal Shiot book that's just down the road. Okay. Um, there was a tamarind um, lamb dish that they did in that book and um, we've adapted that for cricket strips and it uh, mince and it works really well. It's got some green chili in it, it's got some tamarind sauce, um, we've got some uh, obviously the cricket strips, some onion, and um, maybe a little bit, a bit of extra trillion, and we'll see. And both will be on fluffy sort of jasmine rice.
0: So would you say that um, any recipe that has got meat in that you could use these in them as a replacement?
2: Yeah, so I mean these are, are really just ingredients, meat ingredients that you can throw into anything that you might want to cook with, with mints or strips. Yeah. Uh, so mints great in pastas, uh, you know we've done them in tacos, in, in boughs, uh, that sort of thing. Strips, again, similar sort of thing that they've been great in salads, in wraps. So a beetroot glaze strip we've done uh, on a, um, I think it was a beetroot and hazelnut with feta salad, but you know, as I say, these really just are meat ingredients that people can, you know, cook however they like. We're trying to make them versatile actually. Uh, and the reason we've gone for these over the bug nuggets that we started with is because of that versatility. Mm. And what's been quite cool about working with restaurants now is actually using chefs. Um, and using sort of their thinking on this, because we aren't chefs, you know, (laughs) by background, um, and seeing how they sort of take the ingredient and make it their own.
0: And are they liking it?
2: Absolutely they are, yes, yeah. It depends how they're cooking it, Uh, and and because it's a a new ingredient, you know, they're experimenting, so some things don't always work out, but, but, uh, you know, the vast majority, um, you know we've had such a good response. Um, we, we've had this on Moro uh, in Morito, oh, um, right, okay. uh, yeah. in Exmouth Market. Uh, you know people there thought it was the lamb, so it was it was pulled, uh, yeah. so it was swapped out for the pulled lamb that was on a uh, on a hummus flatbread, uh, and and put this mm. on, and mm. people thought it was lamb because um, it, wow. it was the spice was sort of barat spices, so, yeah. so yeah. quite sort of um, Arabic spices. Uh, I think it's a bit of mint, so it sort of had that lamb feel. Francesco Mazzai from Sartoria. Um, who's a who's a sort of famous Italian chef? Uh, he put it in a, a in a bolognese ragu. Um, people thought it was veal. <laughs> um, we've had people think it was rabbit. Yeah. Um, so so it really depends on the cooking, and actually mm-hmm. the cooking brings that flavour out. Um, and I mean, it's important to say that crickets are quite subtle in flavour mm-hmm. naturally. So if you just had a whole cricket, it would. Prue Pru Leith, the, the Great British Bake Off yeah. judge, called this uh, nutty and earthy, almost like a sunflower seed. And, and I think that's a really good way of thinking about the flavour and also texture of a whole cricket. But from there, you can take it in all sorts of directions. So that's sort of played in our hands, the fact that it's quite subtle, uh, because these chefs can, can take it wherever they like to.
0: So just whilst I'm thinking, possibly a bit like yourself, my son is bodybuilder, mm. so it's always about the protein. Yep. So if he's trying to bring more protein in and he's looking at mince as an alternative this is going to give him
3: more substantially protein. more protein. Yeah, so the mince that we have here is about 30% protein which is 50% more than a Waitrose beef mince. Wow. Um you that's generally around 20%. So it's really really high um, in protein and also all of those other micronutrients I mentioned earlier. Um so he's getting iron, calcium, um potassium etc from it as well.
0: Okay, so let's sort ourselves out and do some cooking.
3: That's yeah. Great. Let's do it.
0: You're listening to the Food Bod Pod with Matthew's Cotswold Flour. Matthew's Strong White Bread Flour is a premium high-protein flour milled from Grade One British wheat. A conventional roller-milled flour, it's perfect for home bakers for making sourdough and other breads and rolls. It's also the flour that I use for my sourdough starter, Star, and it delivers consistently reliable results. Try mixing Strong White with other Matthews bread flours for delicious results. Matthews Strong White bread flour, available at Tesco supermarket or online at cotswoldflour.com. So what we're doing first, what needs to be done, who's making what?
2: So Aaron's going to be prepping the chilies and the garlic for the strips. You, Elaine, if you're happy to finely dice some onion. I will. Uh, red onion. And yep. That hasn't got all the uh, all the slices down down the middle there. Sorry, I only half did that job. No problem. Um, this will go into the mince. Uh, and so what's
0: what's the, the main, what's the actual full recipe then?
2: You know what we're sort of making it up but uh it's uh it's going to be sort of a crispy chilli mince uh, with, with onion and garlic
0: so you've got a pan on the go with some oil in that's you,
2: right with okay. olive oil uh, so you've got olive oil that's and you've right. got
0: a pan you've just added the mince to yes is that so, your preference would be olive oil
2: well it to be honest it depends what you're cooking we we typically prefer olive oil um okay. it, it's a little bit healthier than than using veg or sunflower but if you are going for a long fry the burning point's obviously a bit lower so we would then go for um a sunflower
3: oil and
0: what's going on on your board then so
3: i'm de-seeding some of these long green chilies they're generally not very spicy but every now and again you get one that's just like crazy hot yeah. so i will taste some just in case we blow our heads off um, but i'm de-seeding them just in case as well because that will help, help produce the spice level add quite a lot of green chili in there because it adds some nice flavor and also moisture to the dish because we've got quite a sweet tamarind sauce yeah. that's going to be coating the strips. And it's nice to ha- add a bit of freshness and also some green flecks along the, the uh, strips as well.
0: Whilst I'm in between starting to cry, <laughs> um, so then tell me, because this is a battle I have in my brain. You're vegetarian. Yeah, I'm yeah? trying
3: to be more vegan, to be honest, at the moment. Um,
0: uh, so how does eating crickets work for you in that scenario?
3: Well, I think... People's diets are obviously like their own personal choice to most extents. So I'm not going to tell everyone not to eat meat necessarily. I would would give them arguments why they shouldn't eat meat. The vegan argument is that we want to reduce um, suffering where we can, where where it's reasonable to. And my feeling is that if we optimise the farming system with insects along plants, we actually cause less suffering overall because we're not having to make more plants, which might require pesticides and things that kill other insects in the wild and also non-target species through farming blades etc like rabbits and stuff that might be caught up in the farming system so my position is one of of trying to reduce some suffering with the farming system we currently have and also from a sustainability standpoint obviously insects are incredibly sustainable but they're also really really healthy so they align with my sustainability goals and they also allow me to eat high protein highly nutrient dense food um, that maybe I would find slightly more difficult if I was just to eat plants
0: so Um, you do eat them
3: I do insects, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse me, I'm just crying. Oh no, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a sad moment, isn't it? Yeah. Two <laughs> just on my face. Um, so just oh whilst, so that people can see what we're doing, I'm currently peeling um, garlic. How many cloves of garlic do you guys want? Ooh,
2: good, good question. Erin, um, if, if Elaine oh. does the garlic for both of us, maybe yeah. we do a whole bulb? OK, oh, wow. and what do you want it, okay. minced? Oh, because I'll, I'll need it as well. Um, yeah, yes, sure. please, mince, if that's okay. Thank well, you. of course,
0: it's the eternal question of, can you ever have too much garlic? No. no. I
2: think the answer is no, yeah. No.
0: Okay, so what have we got going on? So, so in I'm the pan, seasoning. So in the pan with the mince, we've got the oil, and you've cooked it off, and now you're adding some salt. Yes. And you've put the strips now in a pan with some oil. That's right. So you're getting them cooking.
2: Yeah. Just okay. to get a good sear on both of them, um, so I'm just going to keep sort of stirring these and essentially get the get the mince really crispy, like you would a, a crispy beef mince. So um, it does
0: get crispy; it doesn't stay soft.
2: No, it does yeah. get crispy. Yeah. Um, okay. It, it's the whole sort of Maillard reaction that you can start, you can see sort of happening here. Okay. Or if I turn these strips over, you you should be able to see sort of the underside starting to 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 bubble. So
0: you get a crispy element to it which of course is what everybody wants yeah.
2: yes exactly, yeah. exactly okay
0: but if you then bite into it it's not mushy in the middle
2: it, it'll be soft um it well it depends how you're cooking it you, if you cook it on a low temperature obviously it'll become sort of tougher and dry and we have turned these strips into jerky kind of things oh yeah. wow okay um, yeah. but obviously you know the faster you cook it the, the softer you're gonna you know have it on the inside just like you would you know a beef strip or something.
0: How long does it take to cook if you were comparing to, say, a beef mince? A similar kind of time? I,
2: I would say similar. Um, it's important to note that these, these ingredients are already cooked, uh, at, at least the meat is already cooked.
0: Oh, okay, um, so because you, you've cooked them in the process of producing.
2: That's right, yeah. Okay. So, so the mince so has been roasted, uh, the crickets have been blanched and then roasted, right. and for the strips, it's been uh, blanched and then sous vided has oh, wow. a block and then you you can slice it up like you would a, a slab of Oh, you've
0: sous vide. Sous vide,
3: oh, yeah. Oh, posh. Yeah.
0: So if anybody that doesn't know, sous vide is using a water bath.
3: It's a good technique. Yeah, it is good. It allows you to maintain the temperature really well. Um oh, so well. we keep it at about 90 degrees for an hour or so, a couple of hours. Um
0: So where are you doing all this? This isn't happening here.
3: We have been doing some of it here uh, as an R&D kind of test, and um, testing with small restaurants. Um what we're looking to do now is actually scale up everything with an outsourced partner that does sous vide at a large scale right. um, for pubs and restaurants and supermarkets actually across the uk but we've already been r d'ing some uh, some products with them basically pretty much exactly what we have here um just on a slightly larger scale
0: so i have noticed of late that you have been doing some uh, crowdfunding
3: yes um yeah.
0: and you seem to have had a really good response yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it, yeah.
2: It's, it's been it's been wild. So we did crowdfunding the first time, and it took us a month to get to about a hundred k in in funds. In under seven days this time, we got to over a hundred k. Wow! And and we hit our target in under twenty four hours. So that was a really really great result for us. We just just a bit of a shame that we weren't on a platform a bit longer. I think. We're really excited, and and crowdfunding's great to bring people on side. It's almost you know, a marketing campaign
3: in and of, in and of itself.
0: Absolutely, but you, you've also got someone on board, you've got a big name on board as well, haven't and you? The,
3: so the, the crowdfunding was actually off the back of a competition with James Watt, the founder of Brewdog. Right. Um, so he personally invested in the company. Um, he actually flew us out to Las Vegas to uh, announce it. Wow. <laughs> as part of his competition, which was absolutely fantastic. I'd never been to America, so there's a trillion, ex- it, Amazing interesting experience. Okay.
0: <laughs> oh wow, that's really cool. So, is he involved at all? Have you got any kind of inputs and any marketing? Well, w-
3: we're currently speaking to both. I think their marketing teams and also their chefs to understand if we can get on, or how we're going to push out um, some products on their menu. Um, it's yet to be decided exactly what that's going to look like, whether or not it's going to be a special or what kind of dishes, etc. So, it's still very early days, but. Um, The other things that we're looking to do with them is actually use some of their spent grain to feed to our crickets. Ah. So using brew grains that would otherwise go to waste to actually feed to our insects, which would mean a completely circular system, which would be absolutely fantastic. Um, So
0: what you may not know is um, I use spent grains in bread. No way! That's awesome! If you get spent grains from beer, and throw them into your dough, the, the flavour is amazing. I bet it is. Wow. Yeah, wow. so I can understand that. So yeah. surely if you're feeding your cricket spent grains, you should be getting extra flavour. You have Elvis <laughs> juice
3: flavoured crickets. Yeah, okay.
0: absolutely. <laughs> and do you, oh. do you
2: dry the grain before you um, um, bake I've it? used
0: it lots of different ways. I've used it whilst it's still damp, mm-hmm. but I've also done it where I've dried it in a low oven. Yeah. And okay. then sometimes actually mill it so it becomes a flour. Oh, wow. And it works in all of those ways. Oh, wow. So there's lots of things that you can do with it.
1: That
3: sounds great. Yeah.
0: So again, it brings a whole do- different element. It does mean I've had an awful lot of people trying to find little breweries all over the place and beg, steal and borrow to get some um, <laughs> some spent grains because yeah. usually they would go to animal feed. So yeah. at least you're, yes. you're doing something different with them. Yeah. Is this fine enough or do you need it finer? That
2: looks good to me. That's, that's great. That's yeah.
0: Good. So you've got the strips, they've really darkened in colour.
2: They have, yeah. Yeah, you can see sort of the original colour here versus where they're going. And uh, we can get them even darker, trying to almost get a golden, a brown. So the
0: mince was, the mince has been cooked and that's got a, a real nice golden look to it now.
2: Yes. Okay. Which is where, where I'm trying to get these strips to. Uh, and then I'll, I'll remove them from the pan to keep, keep the crispy, almost like you would a bacon lard on, right. you know, before, before sort of, Tossing into a carbonara or something. Okay. Then we'll go with the veg. So, so garlic, onions for for the mince. Cook that down, and then last step is really sort of adding the uh, with the sauce.
0: So I've chopped up onion and garlic, and Aaron has done all of the green chillies. Yeah. And you've sliced some radishes. Yeah,
3: just for presentation wise. We're going to place it around some of the rice I think. So what
0: have we got in the bowl? So
3: we've got some tamarind sauce there with a bit of ground cumin and also some ground coriander. I'm also going to add some sugar and a little bit of cinnamon.
0: Nice. Um, That sounds nice.
3: Yeah and this is going to create a nice glaze to go on top of the strips um, and then we're also going to add in the, we're going to fry up some of the pepper and garlic together and that will be mixed in as well afterwards.
0: Do you want me to chop up any more of these things?
3: What did you want to garnish the uh, mint with Leo? Spring onion. Uh, I mean, you could
2: do sort of diagonal slices, Elaine. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Diagonal, diagonal, diagonal slices. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sort of Asian style with the jasmine rice um, sort of theme. I've Maybe penny cucumbers. I mean, you could do the cucumbers sort of anyway. I think penny was, is quite traditional. What's then penny cucumber? So just c- coins, essentially. Oh,
0: it's slices. Yeah, slices
2: cu- exactly. Right. Co- coins of cucumber. <laughs> and I actually will need the, the chili somehow, but... They could go on either as a garnish or.
0: God, no one's made me be the sous chef before, you know. <laughs> so my battle is whether I eat it or not. Whether I eat crickets. Whether I try some. Yeah. Well, so, so
2: what's the what's the what's dilemma the in your? Yeah.
0: Well, being vegetarian, what? but I'm not necessarily, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm vegetarian for my own choices mm. because that's what I like and what my body likes. David will. David will get stuck (laughs) into everything. (laughs) But I would feel mean about not trying some.
3: Leo, I've got some sauces ready for the strip. Right. Okay. I would add it in as you go just to make sure that they're coated, but maybe it's not too saucy. It's up to you.
2: The pan's ready for the garlic and chili. Chili. Perfect. So we've got the pan
0: back on the go again. So we've got just oil and chopped red onion. So in another pan, we've got some of the green chili going in. So adding a
2: little bit more red onion. Enough
0: spring onions for your garnish?
2: Yeah, I think that's great. Thank you. Can I nab some of the uh,
0: lovely
3: chopped garlic that you've done for us? Thank you. I'm just going to chop the uh, coriander up.
0: So we've got two pans on the go. One's got onion and garlic. And the other one, which the strips are going to go in with, it's got um,
2: green chilies, green
0: chilies and the garlic. Yeah, that's a lot of chili, but they are quite mild. They're very mild. Yeah, Yeah. we
2: hope. We hope. Or one of us will die, (laughs) (laughs) or all of us will die. Well, Aaron and I are quite good at
3: spice, so I yeah. don't know how you are. are they? They've got um, a bit of a kick to them, actually. On the edge. Oh, are they? Yeah, we'll see.
0: Yeah, you're wondering why you chopped up so many now? No, no,
3: no, we're all good. I think once it cooks down, it shouldn't be as hot.
0: I made um, a uh, chocolate and chilli loaf recently. Oh, wow. I put in the Aleppo chilli flakes. And I, I didn't think it was that strong, but when my husband took it into work and shared it out for people to try. Mm. And depending on what they were used to, some of them were going,
3: oh, my god, <laughs> that's
0: so strong. And the others were going, oh, I can barely taste it.
3: Yeah. yeah. It
0: was really interesting, but it hmm. works really well.
3: Yeah.
0: And I I'd, I'd put oat milk in the loaf as well, so it was mm. quite... Oh, wow. Yeah, it was almost kind of cakey, but yeah. oh, it was Ooh, good. That's it was really good. good. It's, it's the kind of things I do. Yeah, yeah. I just, I open the cupboard and think, what do I want to not eat myself <laughs> and give them to other people? I <laughs> get you. That yeah. it's, is actually it's called my pass the calories load. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my recipes are a case of open the cupboard and chuck it in and see what you get. Yeah. And I think if that's you're, you know, if you're developing recipes like that, it's brilliant because that's how people cook. That's what they at home.
2: Yes. That's what we found with our cooking kits. Is sort of what we, that's what we started with. And, you know, we ran into the problem of, you know, not everyone was getting through their recipe boxes. So we did a lot of sort of calling up people and, and, and asking them how they cook. You know, when, how did they decide what to have for dinner? And really most people go into the kitchen, open the fridge or open the kitchen cupboard. What do I have? And then just cook with what they have. Yeah. yeah um, and
0: there, a lot of people would, would like to say that they plan Mm. And people are trying to plan kind of meals more and more, especially so that there's less food waste. Yeah. But also with the prices nowadays, yeah. they want to be able to make sure that you're efficient with what you're buying. Yeah. Mm. But I think, you know, there was always a point in the week where you're just going to be looking in the cupboard or looking in the freezer and going, hmm. I mean, that's Absolutely. how I cook anyway. Mm. Yeah.
2: I so so nutritionally, actually, a, a lot of a lot of the decision happens at the shop. You know, so, so how do you, you know, a question that... that we'll have to figure out is how do you almost, not interrupt, but, but make sure that people are making those healthier choices when they're, you know, shopping and, and putting stuff into their shopping trolley. Because that's what they're deciding, you know, that's what's ending up in their bodies by the end of the week, rather than, you know, the decision in the kitchen, because that's already, you know, they're, they're cooking with what, what they've already bought.
0: Oh yeah, it's gotta be about you're, where you're enticing people to buy the food in the first place. Mm. But I think um, the winner is going to be for you, I think, in flavour, flavour yes. and texture. Not, yeah. you know, I'm particular about what I choose to eat. Other people, not necessarily so. Mm. So yeah. you've got to make sure you allow for everybody in their choices and tastes. Absolutely. Oh, there's nothing nicer than garlic and onion in a pan. Beautiful smell. Mm.
2: So we're starting to get some colour on the garlic and, and the onions are softening which for me is a good is a good place to do this important to say that this isn't a traditional recipe (laughs) i mean you don't have chopped chopped onion or garlic really in in sort of asian dishes and you certainly don't cook them at this temperature for this amount of time typically they're flash fried really high temperature and if you go into a a street food market having sort of stir fried you know with a wok that's a few seconds the veg is almost raw you've just got sort of a cooked you uh, adding the heat and slightly cooked on the outside um, so this isn't traditional but we're winging it and and I think with the theme of, <laughs> of this podcast we're sort of just um, making recipes up as we go along but
0: um so we, we get your disclaimer it's okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't cooking be fun it should be being brave throwing it in a dish and seeing what you get
2: it's just got to taste good.
0: The Mince is just going back in with the onion and garlic, yeah? So you've pre-cooked it earlier and now putting it back in. That's right. I've got to say it does look good because it's got such a good colour on it.
2: What would you say it looks like?
0: I would say it w- it looks like like a corn mince.
2: Mm. Mm. Have you cooked with corn mince much?
0: Uh, long time ago. Right. Yeah, long time ago.
2: Do you use uh, the meat alternatives?
0: No.
3: I'd rather have
0: a big, decently cooked aubergine.
3: Yeah, I, I, I'm a huge fan of aubergine, so I, I would, in most cases, probably agree with you. Um, I think for me, the only reason why I tend to eat more of them is actually for protein reasons. Um, yeah. So I'm a big fan of tempeh. Um, What's really nice about tempeh is that you get some, it's nice and structured so you get like a kind of meaty feel to it but actually the fermentation process of the soybeans or whatever beans you use, you could actually use UK grown beans for example, um, improves the nutritional quality of the protein in there, actually makes it more bioavailable um, and increases other nutrients so it's a really, it's a healthier version of the beans actually um, which is really cool. Um, and it's also meaty. It looks a little bit weird sometimes, but um, there are a number of companies that are actually starting to sell it in supermarkets around the UK now as well. What
0: are you about to do? You pouring oh, these.
2: Pour I'm just about to put the sauce in the uh, in the pan with the strips and the green chilies. Oh, so,
0: so this is your lovely.
2: Sambal shiok sauce. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
0: say that again. Sambal
2: shiok. Okay, so this um, is the tamarind it, sauce. Sambal Siok is a, a restaurant in, in Islington, yeah. right. um, and an Indonesian restaurant, so this is an Indonesian inspired recipe.
0: Wow, and it smells so good. So tell it's us good. again. So, that so was that's a tamarind the tamarind
3: sauce with some sugar, we've got some ground cumin, ground coriander, some ground cinnamon, and just a bit of salt.
0: Wow, so that's all going to caramelise a bit.
3: Yes, we, we like getting a glaze on these strips, it
2: actually helps it. Feel more meaty in some yeah. some sort of yep. weird way yeah so it, they, they almost look like sort of glazed meaty strips to take my own advice i'm going to taste this just to make sure that it's tasting okay here we go so all the
0: other bits you've got are just going to be so some garnishes. of these bits
3: garnishes extra bit i've got some coriander for garnish got some mm. cheeks of lime we've got some uh, radish we've got some um, fresh red chili um, might not need the chili on my one we'll see <laughs> the chili is not too hot so i'm just gonna Add okay. a little
2: bit of black pepper. Nice. Maybe also to this. I'm a massive black pepper fan.
3: A little bit of heat, but not, not overwhelming. Do you
0: find you have similar food tastes?
3: Um, I think it's quite... we spent quite a lot of time cooking together, and I think that even though that's the case, I think generally we tend to still cook different dishes. I think we both like chilli, we both like pasta, we both like Asian-style food, but I think, broadly speaking, our diets are still... like We're still interested in different cuisines. Mm. i very passionate about like Middle Eastern cooking Mm. Um, and I tend to cook like within that range of um cuisines but um yeah yeah Yeah, that's that's me on a
0: daily basis I have to say we're just giving these all a bit of a stir and a bit more of a cook yeah I'm just going to check the rice testing the rice so tell me what's going to go in what please
2: so you've got the onion and garlic crispy mints going with the lovely sort of pennies of cucumber that you've You've sliced up uh, with spring onion, maybe a chili as well if you. Yeah, let's get some chilies on there. Up for a bit of a heat. And the other one is the green chili, garlic uh, strip, cricket strip with tamarind sauce, tamarind glazed on the other bed of rice with some radishes on there. Yeah.
3: Maybe a bit of coriander and some cheeks of lime.
0: Right. Well, um, you guys uh, fill the bowls. I'm not in a good position here for you to have to reach around me (laughs) because I'm in the middle. So. um, Got it. Right, okay. So we've got bowls going on. We've got dressing going we've got on. got bowls going on. You need to um, watch this on YouTube. This is great. <laughs> People pay for things like this. <laughs> <laughs> I have two young men, <laughs> beautiful young men either side of me, filling bowls of food. <laughs> they look great.
3: They are. You're making them
0: very pretty.
3: Oh, thank you. Half of the food is about the presentation, surely? Well, there is, Meet with your eyes first. Yeah.
0: With the mince, we've got a few spring onions and we've got some chopped cucumber and a couple of little chilies going on for a bit of colour, I should imagine. And with the strips, we've got some radishes on the side, a bit of chopped coriander. uh, Oh, a bit of lime going on the side.
3: Yes, Lime lime always helps.
0: These look lovely.
3: Dainty little
1: uh, dishes.
0: Yeah, they look brilliant.
1: Thank you so much. Thank
0: you for this.
1: You're listening to the Foodbod Pod with Matthew's Cotswold Flour, bringing you Britain's largest speciality flour range.
0: It's now taste testing time <laughs> and I am volunteering David to give it a go. I know I'm holding a fork, <laughs> um, but I'm volunteering David to give it a go,
1: so... Thank you. Um, this is fascinating, just watching you guys prepare um, you go. this food and it smells so delicious as well and, so much, and looks that. very inviting. So here goes. So this is the cricket... Mince, I'm trying first. Sure, I'm gonna go in for some too. Mmm, that's delicious. That's Mm. um, very crispy, a little bit like crispy beef. Yep. Mm. That's terrific. Could
2: you cook that or eat that at home? Absolutely, absolutely. Amazing.
1: Um, My wife is not a a great lover of of red meat, so I don't know what her reaction would Mm. be. Now let's try the strips. Go for it. Now, so what's in these again?
3: So you've got um, some green chili. It's not too spicy, so don't worry. Yep. Um, you've got some tamarind sauce, some sugar, uh, some cumin, some coriander.
1: Oh, that's lovely. Mm. Mm. Just a little bit of, of heat yeah. from the chili. But really, really nice. What, what do you think it was? I think I would probably think it was tofu. Hmm. That yeah. would be my first reaction if I didn't okay. if I didn't know.
3: Mm. Yeah yeah. Like a crispy tofu or... Yes, describe but, the
1: but, but um, I mean, the great thing about tofu is that it, it takes on the flavour of whatever mm. you're cooking it with. Yep. Mm. Although I have to say, I'm not a huge fan of tofu per se, and this, you know, the, the flavours in this, and it's, it, I guess it's partly the way, what you cooked it with, the flavours are just extraordinarily good. Mm.
0: So is this getting a thumbs up then?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. All
0: right, so before, before David just eats the whole lot, um, we're going to say,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, I just want to say a massive, massive thank you to you guys.
1: Thank you. Elaine. You thank have you. been thank you so much, absolutely
0: yeah. brilliant. Please do watch the YouTube channel. Look in the description to find out where to find products. Sweet. Look on the website for the recipes. We will keep you all updated because you're now part of our podcast family. Yeah. Awesome. Um I think it's amazing. It's wonderful to see what you guys are doing. I love it. It's a- Absolutely brilliant. And um, we're going to say goodbye now because David wants to get in and get some more before yeah. <laughs> it goes cold. So thank you. Thank you, thank so, you much.
1: so much. So much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I must admit, I was a little hesitant to try the... The insect food—it <laughs> sounds if like that's food for insects, but you know what I mean. But having watched the three of you make the recipes and having as much fun as you did, I was absolutely convinced that they'd, they'd be delicious, and they were. It was a real revelation to me, Elaine. And what lovely guys too! So deserving that success that that I'm sure is going to come their way.
0: Absolutely, and there's such enthusiasm and passion for what they're doing. Mm. And with but backed up by an awful lot of knowledge and expertise as well. You know, that there wasn't anything we could ask them, or anybody could ask them that they don't know the answer to, because I've watched them being interviewed. And I have to say, stood between two lovely young men whilst they were preparing food. I mean, you know, it was a great day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I could see you were enjoying it.
0: <laughs> yes. You know, if you watch the YouTube video, you will see.
1: It's worth mentioning that since we recorded that session back in July, they've actually had their own pop-up restaurant in Shoreditch and they've had recipes designed by some of the top chefs around London. And my understanding is that the bookings were just through the roof. They were booked solidly.
0: And I'm so happy for them. They deserve all the success. And I know that both of us wish them absolutely the best for the future. Absolutely and we look forward to catching up with them again. We do encourage people to check them out, we do. So now, what would work well with the dishes that they made with those crispy chili cricket mince and tamarind cricket strips dishes that Aaron and Leo cooked up? Well, how about some ramen noodles? So here is Sophie Carey, Matthew's Bakery Development Manager, to show us how to make them.
4: This is a fantastic way to use bread flour, something that not a lot of people do, but if you have uh, a pasta roller, either an attachment on a mixer or one that you do by hand, you can do these or you can actually do them just with a rolling pin and a, a sharp knife, that's fine too. Okay. This is a really great recipe because it doesn't use a mixer, um, so you can make these by hand and it's so quick. You'll never buy noodles again, you'll make these all the time from that one.
0: <laughs> okay, right, uh, I believe you. So what flours are we using in these?
4: So today we're going to use our classic uh, white bread flour, that's the bulk of it, and then we're also going to use some of the white spelt and some of the five field lights, Using those flours in addition to the bread flour just gives it a really nice nutty flavour, a bit more of a deeper colour. It's just a great way to add in some spelt, add in some, some unusual grains. But we do want the bulk of the flour to be our classic bread
0: flour because we need the gluten. So we've got the bread flour, we've got some white spelt flour, and if somebody can't get hold of the Heritage Byfield Lights, yeah. Would you just do the bread flour and white spelt? Yeah,
4: just do the bread flour and the white spelt. You could even, if you can't get hold of any of them, just do classic bread flour. That makes a great, uh, great recipe of noodles. But yeah, just, uh, you know, okay, if you meal. want to add in some of your unusual flours or some ancient grains, go ahead because it's, it's a great recipe to incorporate them. You just might need to do a bit of trial and error with the amount of water that you add in, depending on what grain you've got. This makes enough for two people for dinner. it's a great recipe to bulk up so you know if you want to make them for the week or you want to make them even for the month they freeze really really well so you could make you know four times five times the recipe just split it into portions roll it out in those portions and then you've got noodles in the fridge for a month or for freezer
0: so for someone like me that's never made any yeah what's your best tip for a learner with making these if it seems wrong it's right (laughs) (laughs) if it's if you it's going to seem really
4: dry you'll see what i mean when we start to add the water you'll feel like it isn't going to come together at all but it will Uh, and also most of the magic happens in your pasta roller so just trust the process as soon as you start putting it through that you'll be
0: fine so if you haven't got a pasta roller, like you said you can roll out with a rolling pin and you can cut it into pieces yeah
4: definitely so if you haven't got a, a pasta roller just roll it out using a rolling pin Uh, but take your time with it. So every time you roll a bit thinner, cover it, leave it for a minute, come back, do it again, cover it, leave it for a minute. We're gonna do a series of folds and rolls, which is also called sheeting. So you can do that process with a rolling pin, it just takes a bit more time. Right, okay. So I've done 160 grams of my white bread flour, and then I'm gonna add 20 grams of my spelt flour.
0: So even using that small amount makes a difference to the
4: outcome? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But this is the great thing, you can add in as much or as little, up to about, I would say, you still want to maintain at least 65% of your flour being bread flour. Okay. But just add in a tiny bit of your alternative flour at first, see how you get on and then increase
0: from there. So you could have 10 grams of, say, Icon flour or Emma or something like that. Yeah,
4: it does add flavour, it does add a good texture. So Um, it works with whole grains as well, whole grain flours? Yeah, absolutely. The thing with whole grain is it becomes harder to sheet using your roller, so you just want to be careful when you do that process that you're not ripping the dough, you're letting it rest enough before you take it thinner and thinner. So it's 200 grams total of flour and then I'm going to add in 2 grams of salt just two grams just of salt? Just two grams. You just want to season them so that they're not bland. Okay. Um, similarly to you know seasoning your your food, potatoes, pasta, anything like that, you need to season these noodles otherwise you will notice the difference. Um, so as I said we've got 200 grams of flour, we've got two grams of salt, so it's 1% of that. So if you are making more or less, just remember to season at 1% for this. And we're going to do the same thing again but with our bicarbonate of soda. It really helps to make the noodles nice and chewy so that it feels really solid and sturdy in your ramen broth if you are putting it in broth and it also won't disintegrate in your pan if you're cooking it as a stir fry for example. So
0: this is because you're making noodles because you wouldn't necessarily put bicarb in pasta? No
4: no absolutely not no pasta is much more delicate than noodles really. So this Um, is to make sturdy? Sturdy almost sober noodles you know Um, pasta you, you do want that kind of silky delicate feel to it but for noodles, you really need it to hold up over cooking because you often cook it with a much much more ferocity. You know, you're cooking right. at it, you're cooking on a high temperature, you're stirring it a lot, or it's going in ramen broth which means it's sitting in liquid for a long time and you need it to maintain yes, shape. Yes, and not
0: just, just disintegrate so into nothing. So what I've
4: done there, I've just mixed all of those flours with the salt and the bicarb just to make sure it's all really well incorporated. Okay. And then what we're going to do is add the water. Now this is the precise bit. So this one, I would recommend making this recipe by hand, unless you're really comfortable with it, really comfortable with the measurements that you've got, and if you're making a large batch, you can do it on a stand mixer, but for small batches, especially if it's new to you, make it by hand, because you get a good feel for the dough and what you should be looking for.
0: Okay.
4: It's really low hydration, this recipe, so it's only for the 200 grams of flour, it's only about 86 grams of water, so it's really low. Obviously, because we've added some alternative flours, there might be a little bit of trial and error with it. But the good thing about it is you can always go back in and just add a little more flour, a little more water as you need. So
0: we've got 86 80, grams of 86 water grams of that's water gone in the with the 200 grams of flour.
4: Uh, and then just give it a quick stir. This will not look like it's going to come together as a dough, but after some kneading, it does come together.
0: Yeah, it looks quite dry initially.
4: Yeah, yeah. Off the bat, you've got this really scraggly, yeah. shaggy dough.
0: So you're just mixing that just yeah. with a big tablespoon. Just a
4: spoon, yeah. I sometimes do this with chopsticks at home if I'm cooking for myself. I'll, I'll use chopsticks for this part just because they have less surface area, so the yeah. water gets stuck less. Um, you do want to make sure you just scrape down your spoon because that's a sneaky bit of water hanging around there that might be needed later. So this looks pretty similar to how mine does at home. So I'm just going to add an extra three or four grams of water because I know sometimes it requires it.
0: Just that tiny amount could make the difference. Absolutely.
4: And now at this point, this is when we get a little messy because this is when it goes on the counter. Here's where you start bringing it together.
0: It does look really dry. Yeah. But you're just kneading it using very a dry. Standing, standard kneading yep. kind of action. In
4: fact, this actually feels slightly wet. I mean, it will be, it'll be great. But it feels wetter than I have done it before. It feels like it's never going to go together, but it does. So you need to be really pushing into it quite strongly. Yeah, you're pushing in quite hard with this one. And every now and then just gather up any of the powdery parts that haven't gone in yet. You can see it's really, I mean, it's so scraggly and dry, this dough. And you're not really looking for it to become smooth here. That's not the aim of the game. All of our gluten development is going to come from sheeting. Right. Um, So like I said before, sheeting is a process of rolling the dough out until it's thinner and thinner and thinner folding it up again and repeating the process. And that in itself is stretching the gluten and working the gluten. So there we go, it's come together nicely. It's It's very scraggly, it's very dry, but that's exactly what you want. Uh, And then what we're gonna do for 10 minutes is just rest it so that it doesn't stretch too much and, and break when we put it through the mixer. So I just like to put my bowl back on top just to save on waste.
1: You're listening to the Foodbod Pod with Matthew's Cotswold Flour. Spelt is an ancient grain that's been cultivated for thousands of years and gives a sweet nutty flavour to all your bakes, from sourdough and other breads to cookies, waffles, muffins and practically any recipe that requires flour. Try adding 20% spelt to your Cotswold pizza or Tipo 00 flour for extra depth and flavour to your pizza dough. Matthew's range of spelt flour includes organic, whole grain, stone ground and white varieties and spelt is an excellent source of fibre. Make Matthew's spelt part of your next flour order at cotswoldflour.com okay.
0: So the dough's been resting?
4: Yes, yep. Yeah, it's been resting, about 10 minutes now. So what we're going to do now that we're ready to roll it out, first I am just going to put a dusting of flour down, just bread flour. just helps to make things a bit easier when you start rolling. And what I'm gonna do is just use the heel of my hand to just press the dough just lightly so that it's not as bulky when we put it through the first setting of the roller. Right. So you just wanna thin it down a little bit
0: so your machine doesn't struggle. So you've pushed it down really to about half an inch thick? Yep. Yep. Okay, centimeter maybe. Get rid of some of that excess. And I'm
4: starting with my roller on the widest setting and it might rip at first when you do this, it's likely during the first few passes through the roller that it will tear if it does just keep going with it and and you'll get there eventually
0: can i just say watching you do that this looks like great exercise for the uh, biceps yeah
4: absolutely <laughs> um so now that it's been through that first time i'm gonna just turn it onto the second setting oh okay obviously, it's got numbers
0: yeah so you, can yeah, so you the setting, just pull so. the knob
4: out and turn it to the next one obviously this will differ depending on what model you have but i'll show the ultimate thickness we want to get to and, and you'll know how to get there with
0: your so the numbers model. basically relate to a measurement yeah Oh, that's gone through a lot easier this time.
4: Yeah,
0: and it's getting longer and longer.
4: Yes. Uh, so now we've gone to number two. For the first one, I only really like to take it three quarters of the way, as I normally would, um, because I you're going to fold it, and just on that initial one, it it helps if you kind of if you're not pushing it too much. Right. So I well.
0: would normally
4: do one more, take it to four, and and go back again. But for the first pass. I'm going to do it just to three then i'm going to fold it up
0: so you've what you've done is taken the two ends and fold it into the yep. middle yep so because you've got a parcel so yep. basically it's thirds
4: Yep. and then back to the start
0: oh so back, back to, to number, number one again and through again through
4: again now this is the part that develops the gluten it's that rolling and folding that's the sheeting and that's see it's already getting much smoother so this is like through. we
0: would stretch and pull the dough absolutely and sourdough. yeah okay tell us the story of your roller
4: yeah so this roller this pasta roller is um is actually older than me it was a wedding gift i believe for my mum when she was married to my dad and she passed it on to me when i moved into my new house that i'm in now so oh, um it's a really lovely thing and i treasure it a lot um and i hope to pass it down you know to my children one day so gotta keep it in good condition
0: <laughs> looking at you next to me though there's a, a lot of things that would be older than you
4: <laughs> so now that we've done with the first one we've got to number three again and i'm going to put it up to number four
0: so this one you're going thinner on this yeah one. so
4: four for me on this Particular pasta roller is the ultimate thickness that I like to achieve. Um, even when we actually get to rolling out the noodles themselves, I don't like to take it much past four because then you end up with very, very skinny noodles that okay. are not really as well suited to what we need them for.
0: In case it's useful for anybody, this uh, this, this is an Atlas. Atlas. I don't. Well, well, I on one got a side clue. of the pasta machine it says Atlas, and on the other side it says. <laughs> Marcato. Well here's the box. <laughs> oh wow look at that. If you're watching this on our video look at that. That is a really old box. That yeah. is what your mum had in the cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> Marcato made in Italy. Atlas and pasta bike. Mm. It's a pasta
4: bike. And actually when I first started <laughs> getting interested in cookery and food when I was very young um, the, one of the first things my mum and I made together was pasta carbonara but with fresh we made the pasta together ourselves and it was an absolute nightmare, it was a disaster, it didn't work at all but we had fun doing it and I kept cooking after that.
0: (laughs) So what we've been doing whilst we've been talking, sorry everybody, is um, Sophie has folded it into the middle again, so into thirds again to make it a thicker, shorter piece again, we've gone back to the beginning and she's rolling it through again.
4: Yeah, so you want to repeat this process of making it thinner and thinner and thinner until it's down to, for me on this machine, level four, and then fold it up, go again. You want to do that all in probably five times. Right, okay. So that's what really develops the gluten, which makes a really nice sturdy noodle with lots of... The way you're handling it with
0: such confidence, Yeah, I would be worried about (laughs) tearing it or putting my fingers through it. Oh, you
4: do this enough times and you don't get too concerned about it anymore. But a good thing to do is if you are worried about that, just always try and have it draped over your hand rather than holding it with your hand. That way you're not putting your nails through it, you can lift it and pull it and, and drag it wow. along. it's um, nearly as tall as you. But you can see it's getting nice and silky. It feels nice now. It feels lovely. Um, and that's, that's
0: a sign that we're nearly there. So. so you're going to fold it into the middle again, yeah. in thirds again. Okay, and back to you again. Back to number one. There is a bit of dedication to this, isn't there? A little bit,
4: yeah. All in, it doesn't really take too much time. But you do, you know, you can't start it and then stop it. You've got to keep going.
0: (laughs) So you couldn't do a couple of them and then leave it for a bit? You need Uh, to keep going. No, you've
4: got to, there's a a stage we'll get to in a second that you will be able to leave it at that stage. Um, But for right now, the actual rolling and folding, the sheeting part of this recipe, you need to do all in one go. But... If you're lucky, you'll have someone else in the house that you can say, right, you turn the dial and I'll hold the Oh, yeah, I would get get my son doing this for sure. (laughs) And, you know, as you become more confident with, with this recipe, you become more aware of when it's finished. You know, you get a feel for it when it's had enough time in the roller, when it's thin enough and when it's silky and smooth enough you do end up just having a bit of a knack for it. So I'm going to leave that there now. It looks beautiful. Um, it's a nice silky dough. You can see the bran speckles through it. Yeah you can see it, the speckles. Um, from where we've added in some of that spelt yeah. and the fry field. Um, so it's a really important now, before we roll it out, I am basically going to dust it with a bit more flour and leave it folded up.
0: So this is before you're going to put it through the roller yes. to turn it into strips.
4: Because we, before
0: we put it through the rollers, turn it
4: into strips into the noodles, we actually do roll it out one final time. Right. So you press it and roll it out one final time before that. But so it how needs long you to rest? leave it for this time? Ten okay. minutes again. That's okay. the minimum. But if you wanted to, what you could do at this stage is leave it as one length. Drape it over the back of a chair or a door or put it on a coat hanger. Anything to leave it up hanger. hanging in the air and it will make the next stage a bit easier for you. Because the drier it, it is, okay, the easier it will pass through that, the noodle setting on Is it, that so why
0: people have those, those the big
4: pasta drying racks? Yeah, yeah.
0: racks, and they're yeah. hanging the stuff around in their kitchen.
4: Exactly. So I'm putting on a little dusting of flour just because I don't really fancy leaving it for twenty minutes now. But okay. if you wanted to, you could leave it for a couple of hours, just hanging over the. Hanging okay. over the, the chair or, or a coat hanger. To so, it. by
0: putting on the bit of flour now, does that mean you can get on and straight away? Uh, I'm still going to leave it for five minutes just right. to relax
4: it a little bit. Um, if you try and put it through straight away now, you might find that it doesn't roll through very smoothly, it might tear. So, you do want to be a bit careful that you just give it time to relax and then we can move forwards. Okay. But it does cut it down.
1: You're listening to the Food Pod Pod with Matthew's Cotswold Flour. Matthew's Heritage Firefield Light is a stone-ground strong white bread flour, produced from heritage flour varieties that have been grown in the British countryside for generations. Taking its name from the village of Fifield, just three miles from the mill in the picturesque Cotswold landscape, Heritage Fifield Light is a T80-style flour and is ideal for artisan breads, delivering a unique, complex flavour. Make an order, find out more, and discover recipes using Matthew's Heritage Fifield Light at cotswoldflour.com.
0: So we've rested. Yep, the dough's
4: rested. So now it's on to the final part of making these noodles repeat again what we did before just one fold and we're going to roll it through one final time
0: okay so you folded it trees yeah. again and back down the to one it's quite
4: hypnotic it's good sound isn't it <laughs> and for this one i'm going to go all the way through again to four because that's the final thickness that i want the noodles if you wanted them thicker you could leave it thicker if you want them thinner take them thinner it's totally personal preference.
0: There's a little bit of a knack to it, isn't there, to getting it to go in for the just first time? Just to feed it through, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it
4: really is about how much flour you've got on it. If you've got slightly too much flour like I just did, you might find it trickier. But it's it tends to resolve itself quite quickly.
0: Okay. And really you want it to be going through quite straight yeah if you can you if you can it, yeah.
4: yeah that's ideal again it won't change too much in the grand scheme of it because it will still cut through if, it, if it's jagged it doesn't really matter in the end but um, it is, it's is—it's nice and helpful if it's straight when it puts it through
0: so you've moved the handle now over to where the teeth yeah. are so that you can actually start to roll this, this I
4: imagine when you make pasta this is actually for spaghetti Right. But it works great for noodles. This is a brilliant thickness for noodles, okay. especially for things like stir-frying or for ramens. Um, they cook really quickly and they're not too dense. So um, if you're making something more like um, a dan noodles or anything like a pad thai, if you're not wanting to use rice noodles for that, take it as thin as you can thickness and then use the tagliatelle right. setting. Okay.
0: So, so for this is when the magic happens. Yeah. So
4: this one, you just want to make sure that you're organised. So. You've got it laid out nicely, ready to feed in nice and square. I've also just got here some corn flour as well. It just helps to keep the actual noodle strands separate once they come out of the cutter.
0: So rather than them sticking straight back together. Yeah, again. exactly. Okay. And it's
4: useful to have a little pile of corn flour the other side as well, it's just so that you can drag it through if you need to. So what I like to do is hold it up with my arm. You want to line it up and you want to start this rolling. Once you capture it in, you can move your arm a little further away. Oh wow! Well. And just so roll we've got all gently. All the
0: strands coming
4: out. Just try and be steady and slow. And then once you get about halfway, just put your hand underneath, pull them out, give so them this. a little dust of corn flour. Keep going.
0: Wow! Oh god, it's so beautiful. Again, we're going to go nice? in little corn flour. Amazing. I can't believe how easy you've made this look. (laughs) It is very easy, I haven't
4: made it look easy, it's very easy. So now that we've got our noodles here what I like to do is just go underneath, pull them out and separate them. Look at that! And there you have two portions of noodles, if you wanted to be really picky you could weigh them to make sure you've got even portions but I normally just do it by eye and then give myself the bigger one. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. There's your little uh, portion of noodles ready to go. Uh, like I said, these can go into um, a bag, and they can go into the fridge or the freezer. In the fridge, they'll keep for about a week. In the freezer, they're good for a couple of months. Um, just defrost them and use them as you would any fresh noodle. Um, they only take literally a minute to boil. So
0: I better. take it then that would be a case of some boiling water. Drop them in for a minute and you're done? Yep, that's it, yeah. Okay, because they're quite thin and because they're fresh, they're going to cook really quickly. Exactly, yeah. So if you did put them in the freezer, if you froze a portion like this, Uh do you need to defrost it before or could you just drop them straight Um, into boiling water? No, I
4: prefer to just defrost them on the countertop. But you can put them into boiling water, you just need to be there with a pair of chopsticks or something to help separate it a little bit. Otherwise, the ones that are on the outside are going to cook quickly, the ones on the inside are still going to be cold. So... Just take some chopsticks and go in and, and separate them out. But you can absolutely do that if you're tight for time. Fabulous.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. No worries. OK. It's been a joy.
4: <laughs> Thank you for coming and looking at my noodles.
0: <laughs> so, yes, she showed us her noodles, David.
1: <laughs> oh, she just made it look so easy, didn't she? I mean,
0: we don't tend to eat noodles in this house, but watching her made me actually want to make them.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I'm sure that I must be able to create a sourdough version.
1: Oh, I bet you could. Oh, I bet, I bet. (laughs) There's a challenge. (laughs) Let's add
0: that one to the list.
1: (laughs) Well, shall we talk a bit about what's coming up between now and the year end?
0: Well, we're so excited about this. We will be ending the year with an Irish treat. We're going to be back in Cherie Denham's kitchen, and this time, along with the lovely Tracy Toner from the Lush Larder in County Armagh with her fantastic jams and chutneys. We've had so much fun recording this with Tracy and Cherie, and as a consequence, we have enough material for two episodes. So that's all going to be between now and Christmas. So we have cheer and chutney in a lush Irish Christmas, and those two episodes will land in December. So do look out for them. And we're hoping this gives you enough time to take lots of inspiration for your Christmas plans. But if nothing else, just listen, because it's just good fun. Listen to them chat. I mean, we loved it.
1: I think it's what the Irish call good crack. They just sparked off each other and their memories of growing up in uh, in the north of Ireland just absolutely brilliant
0: and, and actually it got to a point where david and i just sat back and let them chat because yeah, it was exactly. just brilliant <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: i've got to try editing all that so we'll see what happens yeah. <laughs> between now and december anyway good luck with that thank you um well that's it from from this episode of the food bod pod with matthew's cots Flower. so it's goodbye from me david treadway
0: and from me elaine body see you next time
1: Bye bye